Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. Joining us now is Captain Corey Elder from TR Fishing Charters in Erie, Pennsylvania. We're talking walleye fishing out of Erie. Corey, how are you? Good, good. How about yourself, Chris? Living the dream. Love it that you came on today. And I know that uh, being in the charter business right now is it's difficult to get away. And I appreciate you taking some time out to talk to us. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate you guys reaching out. We had a we had set seven foot waves on the buoy when I checked this morning, and I said, you know what, it's a uh, it's a sleep in day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not going to be fun for anybody. It's September. A lot of people are hanging up their fishing gear for the year, but they may be missing out some of the best fishing of the season. Tell us a little bit about walleye fishing on Lake Erie in September. They're starting to think about headed home. Uh, when I say home, the uh, Western Basin. So we get a lot of migratory fish coming by Erie, PA, from New York, headed back to Ohio, and they got one thing on their mind, and they're they're eating. We Recently, I noticed in the live well, we've had a lot of owlies. So there, there's a huge mass of schools of owlies in locally out in the yeah, 80 to 50 foot range in our water. And they're, they're definitely starting to stock up for the winter. So they're putting on the feed bag. And that was kind of something I wanted to talk to you about. And uh, it's pretty cool, Lake Erie, how much those fish move around. What is the seasonality of that migration like in your area, that Erie, Pennsylvania area? So tip, our season starts in May, May 1st, the, it, you know, is the walleye opener for Pennsylvania. And I always try to describe it this way. Those fish are in shallow. And if you kind of imagine just a network of forward, left, forward, left, forward, left, you're looking at a map that is uh, forward is referencing the east or east movement of them migrating away from Ohio and they're moving farther east and they're moving farther out and they kind of do it in uh, a rhythmic pattern and the same thing in the fall they're coming back west and headed shallow west and shallow so typically when you're tracking those schools from day to day you'll notice that school is going to slowly move west and it's going to slowly move in near shore and up until November when our, our night fishing is is pretty good in November and a lot of guys are they're they're dry docked or their boats in storage and I mean they're really missing out on a, a great fall bite. Yeah that's that's uh, something I wanted to talk to you about later on too was was the boat that you're using but uh, let's get into that in just a second. Um, I just want to talk to you a little bit about just fishing on Lake Erie and, and they say the good old days of fishing on Lake Erie are right now. And what do you believe has led to the walleye explosion on Lake Erie? There's a lot of variables involved that, you know, myself, I might not be able to put my finger on it, but there was just an explosion of bait um, just prior to an explosion of fry and just the planets aligned and we had great successful hatches and now we're reaping the benefits of that. What makes fishing out of Erie different compared to fishing out of the other ports on the lake? What really pulled me to make my home base out of Erie, PA, not only was the walleye fishing, is you're far enough east, you have a great lake trout, you have a great steelhead bite, and 
you really can capitalize a good four or five months out of the year for the walleye as well. So it's getting cold, you know, you're September, October, you're starting to see some snow flying in November. We can capitalize on the steelhead and we can capitalize on the lake trout. And towards the middle of December, we usually end our season. We're just finishing up our jigging bite for the lake trout. So it's just nice because you get the best of everything. And, you know, ice out, our, our bite, our walleye bite is not like it is in the Western Basin. I don't think you can, I don't think that can be beat when that ice is melting and you can get your boat on the water. The islands is where you want to be. But our ice out, our perch fishing is phenomenal. Our steelhead fishing is still running strong. And we got the Lakers. When that starts to slow down, we have, we have a solid we got to have a half a year of walleye fishing to supplement that <clears throat> supplement that migration. Yeah, I see in a lot of your photos, a lot of walleyes with the lake trout mixed in there. Are you catching those lake trout kind of as a product of the walleye program? Are you doing something else to target target those lakers when you're out there? How does that mi- mixed bag happen? So right now, it, to get on the lake trout, it, we're, we're in uh, – you're anywhere from 100 to 140 foot of water, and they they typically are relating that 60, 80 foot lately. But our walleye program has been really hot. I mean, for me, I, I know there's guys that are doing other stuff, but that 75 foot of water just can't be beat right now. So they are they're definitely you know a, a good bites five miles apart from each other. To, to get them to kiss each other. But I mean, you can go out and you can get on a good lake trout bite, pull up, you can come in five, maybe six miles and you're, you're right in the walleye, but they do that. They definitely align in the spring and then the fall. Those, those Lakers are going to come up. Their spawns pretty heavy in the month of November and you can get on a really fun jigging bite in 20 foot or, or a trolling bite too. You can run a real shallow program and yeah, I know, uh, you know, Captain Pete uh, from Vision Quest, I mean, they have, they're, they're catching Lakers trolling. They're catching over 100 fish days. It's incredible. And it, when you're jigging for them, I mean, we had one day over 100, and uh, we get a lot of 60 to 80 fish days jigging. And it just, you spend so much time fighting the fish. A lot of guys are like, there's no way. And you, know, you got four guys on the boat catching those, jigging them. And it, it's, it's something. Yeah, those guys are going to sleep well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that jigging bite is pretty much only, you know, you get to the end of October into the beginning of December, and then that jig bite kind of dissolves, and you're pretty much back into the trolling program. Let's talk, let's get back to the, those fall walleyes. What are your favorite techniques for fishing Lake Erie for walleyes in the fall? So a lot of the guys in Central Basin – I know lead, lead core, you hear about wire, but I try to keep it as simple as possible because I do run a multi-species boat and I do not have room for 45 rods on my boat. So when you, you open up my rod locker, every rod, every trolling reel is spooled with 30 pound power pro. That's, that's it. I don't have lead core, you know, as far, my target depths are, I'm running snap weights. I got two ounce, three ounce, four ounce, five ounce, six ounce. And that, that, that's pretty much served me well. Um, I know a lot of guys love that lead core and 
that action out lead core, that whipping action, you, you can't replicate that with the weights, but the way the fishing's been, you know, in my opinion, you don't, you don't need that right now. So fishing with those weights, what are you pulling behind those weights? I typically been running one side of the boat with uh, deep diving bandits and, um, my, actually, my buddy uh, Caleb Kopp kind of got me onto those deep diving bay rat lures, and we've done quite well with them. And this year, I've noticed uh, the bait that the fish have been spitting up is a little smaller than last year. So those, you know, that inch shorter of a bait, I've noticed with those bay rats is definitely, as far as matching your hatch, it's playing a pretty vital role, that smaller profile bait. What, what kind of speeds are you running? your baits at and does that change throughout the year i mean are, are you doing anything different coming into september that you wouldn't be doing say in early july i've noticed one thing you know your down speeds everything but when those fish come in close a lot of times you know if, if i have a rigger out i'm steelhead fishing and you know it's nice the, the fish hawks right there you can you can check your down speed but once I notice, once I get in like 30 foot of water, that down speed's pretty much locked on to the GPS speed. And I've really, I'm a believer in those fish are oriented, they're headed east, they're headed, they're headed west for the winter. And I try to come at them headed west to east. And I, I've noticed on cameras, on, you know, just hearing divers talk that are on the shipwrecks, those fish coming by them are coming from New York and they're headed to Ohio. And the same thing in the springtime, my buddy's a real big diver out of Erie, Pennsylvania. And he's always sending me these really cool pictures of shipwrecks and there's small mouth on them and walleye on them. But he'll just, he'll know, he'll be down there and he'll notice the current pick up. And in the springtime, those fish are headed East In the fall, those fish are headed West. So that plays a big role in my direction. And as far as speed, I'm anywhere from 2.5 to 3.2 in September. That's super interesting. How many lines are you typically running? I, a lot of times I'll run six dipsies. I'll do three dipsies each side. If I'm running riggers, I don't stack them. I'll just have two rigger lines. And I'll run up to four boards a side. And how, how are you getting those out of your boat? How are you spreading them out and making sure that uh, – you know, you're not getting tangles. How do you get those all set up on, on your boat? My, my typical day, I start out, I, uh, I get my, my kicker speed kind of dialed in. I drop my all treks on the front of the boat. I get my, my heading, my autopilot, everything dialed in. And I start with the boards. I try to get the boards out. I use inlines. I, I, I love those things. I, we use the OR18 releases on the front and the OR19s on the back, but I've been running the Gator boards, and they, I mean, they've done well for us. I, I think you can really adapt to, you know, any board. You just, you got to play with it and practice, and practice makes perfect. But the biggest thing is just having those front releases dialed in, and the same thing with the Dipsies. You know, if I'm running three Dipsies aside, I try to make it so the fish doesn't trip the Dipsy. I want to see the rod. I want to pull the rod and then I want to trip it and get that rod to the opposite side of the boat. And I've noticed I'm human. We're all human. We have tangles. You know, I had a tangle last week on a dipsy and a big steelhead got a hold of that outside dipsy and just came right into the center of the boat. You know, it's got two dipsy lines 
all tangled up in it, you know, you get a royal mess, but stuff like that's going to happen. But as far as, you know, could your the factors you can control, I really like to tune my dipsies into where I have to trip them and my boards, you know, it's just another thing you just have to play with that front release. I just give it a little twitch and it floats back. But you go out and, you know, two and a half foot waves and you got some wind blowing, you're going to have to crank those releases down a little little tighter than you would if it was calm out. You're fishing out of a trailer boat. What advantages coming come out of fishing out of a boat the size of that, that you're fishing? What I really like about it, we do run bass trips, and I've noticed Erie PA in the summertime, the bass fishing, I mean, there's bass there. there there's tournaments there that are held, and people are catching big weight. But the numbers just aren't there for a client to come and, you know, pay top dollar to come in there. They want not only quality, but they do want quantity. So I'm headed up towards New York for, for bass, you know, and you get the like like we were saying about the them coming from New York and they're headed back home to Ohio. I, I need to travel 30, 40 miles to get onto a a school that I know is consistent and I know those fish are there just to keep the customers happy. So it's nice to travel the truck. It's a lot cheaper for me to drive my truck than it is a boat that far. <laughs> for sure. What, uh, when you have clients out there, kind of what is their perspective? What are they seeing? What are they learning while they're out on the boat with you for the day? I, I'd always try to play a, some form of education into it. Um, you kind of, you kind of know, okay, you get a, you get the family, they're out, they're beach going, they're wine tasting, they're just kind of like into the tourist gig and they want to go fishing and they want to go eat walleye. Or you'll get guys, you know, hey, they just bought a boat and they, they want to learn how to run it. And I try to be as hands-on as possible and, you know, m make a list of gear. You know, I sometimes I'll run trips on other people's boats. You know, I had one last week and, you know, I'm like, you know, hey, I'd really recommend just, you know, going universal, get all of these style action length of rod for your boards and, you know, all of this, you know, for your dipsies. And I, I think they take, they take home a lot that took me a long time to learn. I, you know, there's a lot of trial and error in it for me and, you know, to take that learning curve and speed it up, not only saves them a lot of time, but it saves them a lot of money in purchasing gear two times around. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, people, they look at the cost of the charter and it, it seems like a big number, but when you're doing things like that, it can save them so much in the long run. What are some things that, that you see that you have people like that that are just getting into it or beginners? What are some common mistakes that you see and what are some of the, the correctable actions they can take? With those things? Well, we'll take, you know, for example, um, I've been running the, this Dipsy program. We'll run six Dipsies. I'll do a three setting, a 1.5 and a zero setting on both sides of the boat and I had these clients out last week and just from you know you got to get I use um the size ones and you you pull them out and you start tripping it and tripping it and you loosen it up trip it and then there's this threshold where it goes it's heavy and it's real loose it's too loose so I take a little file and I'll go in there and try to smoothen that lip out and you, you know you can spend a half hour on on six dipsies, just, just getting them all tuned in to feel. And that feel that, you know, I have just from playing around with them so much, 
the, the new to the Dipsy world fishermen might not know. So I, I try to I'm like, here, feel this, you know, I'll hand, I'm like, this one's too tight. This one's too loose. This one's just right. And I'll let them play with them for, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. And then, then we go to the next step, you know, you know, leader length, you know, I know guys like, you know, the Zarts in Ohio, I've seen them run five Dipsies on a side and, <laughs> you know, I tell you what, that just gives me anxiety seeing 10 dipsy rods on the back of a boat. <laughs> so what I, I really like to, to keep it simple, show them my thought process behind what I'm doing and then let them do it. Is there something you wanted to talk about today that I didn't ask you about? I mean, no, not particularly. I just, we've been keeping busy and this, it's just incredible the amount of walleye you can pretty much go out and sit down anywhere and there's fish below the boat. It's just, it's just unreal. I, I don't know that I've never seen anything like it before. I grew up bass fishing and, you know, I spent a lot of time on the Potomac river, I spent a lot of time, you know, bass fishing Lake Erie. And I was the guy, you know, I used to always make fun of my buddies that were out there trolling. And, you know, it's funny now a full circle. That's, I quit my full-time job. I worked in healthcare for six years and I quit my job to, to do this. And everyone says, you know, there's no, you, you can't make a living doing this and you know, you're not going to make it. I, uh, it's been awesome. <laughs> you're having fun. You're making a living. Tell me a little bit about that. Tell me about, uh, XTR charters, how it got started and, and where it's at now. So, I mean, the biggest thing, I was working in healthcare. I enjoyed what I did. I just, you know, working with uh, especially elderly patients, you hear a lot of what they wish they did differently in their life. And, you know, a lot of them say, hey, if you get the opportunity, start your own business, to be your own boss, set your own hours, do it. And I, I couldn't tell you how many patients I've heard that from. And it got to the point where I'm like, you know, I really enjoy fishing. And I just rolled dice. <laughs> I mean, really, that's, that's simply put. I, I, I ran it by my wife and she says, you know, hey, do it now. Don't do it later. So we did it and, you know, it took off. I'm pretty much a, you know, one-man band. I, I have some mates that help out. And I've really considered the, you know, outlets of expanding and boats and, you know, did some Excel spreadsheets sheets on the cost and everything and you know there's definitely different ways to do it there's a lot of guys doing it they're incredibly successful with several boats you know in their fleet but i think i'm gonna keep rolling the one-man band for another year and then then we're looking at you know adding some bigger boats in and maybe kind of franchising out to avoid a lot of uh a lot of the uh red tape that's awesome that you're able to take a shot at something and have it work for you. Does it ever get kind of tiresome though? I know a lot of people that uh, go to chase kind of the, their love. Then when their love becomes a business, it, it, it really changes the way they look at that love. Does it change the way that you look at fishing now that you're doing it for a living? I definitely look at it differently. You know, I mean that there's a lot of truth there. What I do is if I'm really tired and I'm sitting there thinking and I'm, like would I go back to what I was doing and that's that one thought that one idea is all I have to, to consider and I'm content <laughs> there you go. I, I, I think it's important though you know 
just you know including my family and you know friends it really is important to go fun fishing you know you you gotta you, you gotta keep what got you started into it you have to keep that alive i do believe that yeah that's a, that's a great point and great something that people should should keep in mind is sometimes you do have to do things for fun even if it is kind of your business or if people want to find out more about you and, and take a look at getting out on the water with you how do they find you we try to stay update, up to date on our social platforms on Instagram and Facebook. Um, it's XTR Fishing Charters, or you can check us out on the web, uh, XTRFishingCharters.com. Corey Elder from XTR Fishing Charters, appreciate you coming on. It was great having you, great visiting with you. A lot of good stuff that uh, hopefully people can take and learn and, and be more successful on the water. And uh, If they can't, they know where to find you to learn from you. Hey, thank you so much, Chris. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.